Let me encourage you this morning to follow along with your sermon notes. You can write a few things in there as well that come to mind, but mostly talk about it, pray about the message, and then live it out the rest of this week. So there was a survey that was taken that, eh, several years ago, back when James Dobson was a, a force from Focus on the Family. And it was directed to men. So, men, this is for you. Now, the question was, what do you want most in your home? What do you want most in your home? So, you might expect, well, I would like a, a man cave at, at home, a place where I can, can go for a little peace and quiet, uh, maybe to uh, reflect a little bit. But mostly just we have our man cave just so we can, we can play a little bit, right? You know, adult play. Uh, it wasn't expensive furniture, although, you know, the old Barco lounger is pretty nice, I must say. Those are pretty good. It wasn't even a huge flat screen TV, which were just kind of coming into the vogue back then. But the thing that men wanted the most was simply tranquility. Not just peace and quiet, but peace deep in their soul. Now, I would imagine that women probably want the same thing. In fact, I would suggest that that is what we all want, is a little peace and tranquility. This last week, I was at a conference in St. Louis, and uh, it was all pastors, and we were talking uh, and just about different things, different experiences, and one of, one of the guys was talking about a recent trip that he had made to New York City. Now, New York City is known for its hustle and bustle. It's a city that never sleeps, correct? Something always going on, busy and loud. So he was riding in a cab, and there was a Jewish man who was the driver. Now, they got to talk. His name was Asi. And so, being a pastor, he wants to share the gospel. And so he wants to witness, especially to someone who doesn't know Jesus the way that we do. So he asked the man, uh, what does he believe about the Messiah? Because we have a Messiah as well. His name is Jesus. And this man said, well, I believe that when the Messiah comes, he will bring peace to Israel. Now, he didn't have the same understanding we do. But there's truth in that statement. We all want peace, and yet most of the world look in the wrong place. People look for peace or tranquility in pills and prescription drugs. They look for it in, in alcohol. They look for it in escaping from the world. Some look for it in possessions, that flat screen TV or the man cave or the barco lounger. But the only place that we can truly find it is in a person. And that, of course, is Jesus, the true Jesus, the Messiah of the Bible. Now, the piece that we are going to talk about this morning really has three parts there in your notes. In your notes. First of all, there is eternal peace, the peace that will provide all the other kinds of peace that people are often looking for. Peace with God. Paul writes, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We all know we've been to church many times and we understand 
that we are sinners. We just confessed a little bit ago that we are sinners, that we don't do what we're supposed to do, that even our thoughts are often offensive to God. And because of that, there is conflict because God demands perfection and we can't even come close to providing it. And so there has to be punishment because God is just, meaning that he is, he is a person who demands righteousness, that we do the right thing, and if there isn't righteousness, there must be punishment. Well, the good news for us, again, is that Jesus has provided the righteousness. He has also taken on the punishment that God prescribes on the cross. So what a relief that ought to be to all of us. We have peace with God. God is not going to send a lightning bolt and make us into a little grease spot every time that we sin. Nor at the end of our life is hell in our destination. We have peace with God because of what Christ has done. Now the question I have for you is, if you have that kind of eternal peace, why are you always so anxious? Why are we always so troubled? Why do we worry so much when the biggest obstacle of all, our relationship with God, our sin, that obstacle has been removed? Why can't we just get along with each other? <laughs> That's the second one there, isn't it? Peace with one another. You don't have to raise your hand here, but how many of you have conflict? in your life. You can nod your head a little bit. Yeah, and it's usually because the other person, right? Right. Uh, I always point to them. It's always their fault. It's not me. But what does Paul write? He says, if it is possible. Does he say, it's not possible? If it is possible, and it probably is, as much as depends on you. Now, we can't control the other person. But we can control ourselves, and so live at peace with all people as much as it depends on you. So if we have eternal peace with God, the barrier of sin has been removed. If we can have peace with others, and we can, what remains? It's what's going on in here, right? It's that anxiety that bubbles up all the time. That's really what we deal with the most, even as Christians. And so here is this passage, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. We can't explain it, and yet it can guard our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. So now I will ask you to raise your hand. Would you like to have that kind of peace? Raise your hand. We all would. Very good. So God says this is how you get it. This is how you can have it. We might call it Paul's prescription of peace. You don't have to go to the pharmacist. You don't have to go to the drugstore. You don't have to buy lots of stuff. It's free and it's already yours. We simply need to fill our prescription. Did you know that? that the doctor can give you a prescription it doesn't do you any good unless you actually go fill the thing? They even call ahead for you. It's already waiting for you. All you got to do is go and get it. 
And the same for us. If we truly want this kind of eternal peace, it's already there. God's already prescribed it. It's already yours. Now let's get it. So, think back for just a moment. One of the, the highlights of the Gospels, when Peter is trying to walk on water. Remember the story? As long as he does what? He's walking on the water. As long as he does what? Focuses on who? Jesus. As long as he focuses on Jesus, he's walking on the water. But as soon as he sees the waves, as soon as he hears the wind, as soon as he takes his eyes off Jesus, what happens? He sinks. Focus on Jesus. This is where it begins. And so Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. In other words, he's saying if your focus is on Jesus, you can't help but rejoice. You can't help but praise God when you're focusing on him. Now, he has this one little word there. He says rejoice in the Lord, uh, what, on Sundays? Is that what it says? Rejoice in the Lord when things are going well? Is that what it says? It says rejoice in the Lord, what? Always. That means Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all day Sunday. Can you rejoice when it's cold outside? Yes. Can you rejoice when it's 100 degrees outside? Yes. It's 72 in here. That's pretty good. So we can rejoice always when we're in here. You can rejoice when things aren't going well. You can rejoice when things are going great. You can always rejoice. Why? Because the Lord is always with you. We heard again, this is the day of Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit lives right here. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus, is always with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will always love us. He will never rescind his promise of forgiveness. And so we can indeed rejoice in the Lord always. Now I want you to turn to your neighbor and say this line Peace is not the absence of problems. Can you do that? Peace is not the absence of problems. How many of you have problems? Raise your hand. Okay, point to the person next to you and say, you're my problem, right? <laughs> That's the way we feel. No, they're not your problem. Well, maybe they're, they're I don't know, maybe they are. But that's not the problem. There's always going to be problems. We live in a sin-filled, fallen world. There will always be problems. Most of the time, the problem is me. I mean, not me, your pastor, but me, is in you, right? Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of Jesus Christ in the midst of our problems. He's always going to be there. So when we look and focus on Jesus, those problems are overcome. And even when they're not, we have the peace that our God promises. So we begin, focus on Jesus, rejoice in the Lord always. And then Paul says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, 
by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God so take everything to the Lord in prayer not just the good things and not just the big things, but everything the little things, all things every aspect of your life take it to the Lord in prayer you see, peace and worry are mutually exclusive. If we're always worrying and thinking of those things, then our focus is not on Jesus. Now, if something is so important to you that you're worrying about it, is it so important to you that you can pray about it? If you can worry about it, you should be able to pray about it. And if you can pray about it, then you don't need to worry about it anymore. God says to cast our cares about on him. Why? Because he cares for you. The prescription is this. If we are rejoicing always, focusing on Jesus, taking our cares to him in prayer, knowing that our God cares for us, that he can take care of every single worry. Now, I heard about this guy who always worried. Maybe you know somebody like this. They worried about everything, and they worried all the time. In fact, they worried so much that they were worrisome to the people around them. You know anybody like that? You worry about them because they worry all the time. That's this guy. But then one day, he comes out of his house, and his neighbor notices that he is happy, and he is singing. He's singing at the top of his voice, and his neighbor notices this, of course, because he's always grumpy, he's always worrying. He said, hey, man, what's going on? And he says, well, I'm not worrying anymore. Really? What changed? He said, well, I've hired a professional worrier, and he's going to worry for me. Wow, that's incredible. How much does this guy cost? Well, he costs $1,000 a day. He goes, <laughs> the neighbor says, hey, man, you don't have $1,000 a day. You don't have that kind of money. How are you going to pay for it? He goes, I don't know. That's his worry, <laughs> right? Very good. Point is not that God is a professional worrier. God doesn't worry. After all, he's got the whole world in his hands. He controls everything. But what he's telling us is that we don't need to worry either because he cares for us. Rejoice in the Lord always. Take your cares to the Lord in prayer with thanksgiving, letting your requests be made known to God. And Paul writes then, if we do all of these things, rejoice in the Lord, focusing on him, praying instead of worrying, then your soul will be filled with peace. And again, I need to emphasize, not the peace of the world, not the absence of problems, but rather something much stronger and something much deeper. Did you know that when there is a hurricane in the ocean, 
that even when there is a tidal wave, which can be hundreds of feet tall, oceanographers say that the storm can go no deeper than 25 feet under the surface of the ocean. In other words, if you go deep, the sea is as calm as a pond on a tranquil June day in Illinois. That's the peace that Paul is writing about. That's the peace that Jesus gives to us. Same peace that he gave to his disciples. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, not the absence of problems, not even a tranquil heart, but something much deeper than that. I give you forgiveness of sins. I give you my presence. I give you my assurance that I will be there to guard you against the troubles of the world. So don't let your heart be troubled and never let it be afraid. Earlier in our service, we sang the hymn, When Peace Like a River. Hymn number 763, if you have your hymnal, you can open it up. But you know the words here that we sang, and I'll review them in a minute. But we don't necessarily know the story behind the words. So look here in my hymnal, it says that the text, the words, was written by Horatio G. Spofford. He lived from 1828 to 1888. Spofford was a wealthy businessman in Chicago. He was a friend of Dwight Moody, the great evangelist. He was a devout Christian. But he had problems, lots of problems. In fact, it seemed like a dark cloud hung over him wherever he went. Even though he had been very successful, even though he was a wealthy man, he lost his entire business in the Chicago fire. And in that fire, his only son was killed. Afterward, he decided that he would send his wife, who was from England, back to her home country for a while, along with his four daughters. They needed to get away for a while. They needed to rest it. And so he put them on a ship, and away they sailed. Unfortunately, just before they got to the shore of England, there was a tremendous storm, and the ship sank. And all four of his daughters drowned in that storm. His wife alone survived from his family. She sent him a telegram back to Chicago that said, Save alone. Of course, he was devastated. He already lost his son. He had already lost his business. And now he lost his four daughters as well. And of course, he needed to be reunited with his wife. And so he got on a ship and he went to England and he retrieved his wife. And they traveled back across England, and then they got on that same ship to go back to America. And Horatio Spofford, who had gone through so much, now asked the captain to stop the boat on the exact spot where the earlier ship had sunk 
where he had lost his four daughters. And then he got out there on the deck and he wrote these words, when peace like a river attendeth my way, where sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. That's the kind of peace that only the Lord can give. It's only when you know the Prince of Peace can you truly have peace in your heart. Peace that stems from the eternal peace that Jesus has won for each of you. When your sins are forgiven, when your conflict with God has been removed, only then can we have peace with one another, but even more importantly, can we have peace with ourselves. My prayer for each of you, that not only would you know that peace, but you would do everything that is under your control to have peace with others as well. And probably no better time to do that than on this Memorial Day weekend when we remember the great men and women of our country who have fought for our peace as well. May God grant that to you for Jesus' sake. Amen.